right, happy Friday, everyone. We are back with another Learning Tech Talks where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting your questions answered and hopefully explore, exposing you to new technologies and capabilities out there that you did not know before. So today I am joined by Juan Lagrange. I think I said that right, right? All right, well, pretty well close. Done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, and he is from Sunlight, and uh, we're going to be talking about, I don't really know the best way to describe it, but I think people are going to be really interested in it, because I, I was telling Juan before we went live here that I've had a number of conversations with people who are trying to solve the challenge that you've set out to solve for them. So I'm, I'm going to actually save it to say, we'll see how you describe it for people. But anyway, it's going to be a great conversation on basically empowering your workforce to be able to choose your own development in some regards and and that can be an uncomfortable territory for some people so i'm looking forward to the conversation we're gonna have we're gonna have a fun one for sure but before we get into it we got to do what we always do we got to do what we always do which is let's do some icebreaker stuff so people get to know who you are a little bit and we'll engage them in conversation as well so juan and everybody watching you can comment but juan where are you in the world today so uh, thanks for having Chris. And uh, I'm in London at the at this time. Okay. Are Sunny you London. Home or are you in the office? I'm in. I'm at, at my home office. I guess. Okay. Got it. Got it. Well, I saw the door open, so I'm like, well, yeah. you know, I can never tell if somebody's bumping into your room or what. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And yeah, I have my girlfriend's actually like literally hiding as he's going by. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to appear though. That is the best. I love in the, the podcast. That you did that. <laughs> oh, that is that is she you're in you're in so much trouble. You're in so I am, much I am. trouble. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay. All right. Well, if my kids sneak in or anything like that, I'll do the same to them. I'll embarrass them. Okay. So you're in sunny London. Is it legitimately sunny right now? For London standards, it is very sunny. Um okay, so <laughs> I guess for I normal standards. A bit of sarcasm. It's cloudy. It is, it is, yeah. It's right, it's a bit cloudy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm in Waukesha. I, I'm actually still just laughing because I saw the door open. The fact I didn't. Okay. Anyway. Um, so I'm in Waukesha where I always am. It's been warm, but it's cooling down and today's kind of cloudy. So kind of a bummer, but all right, let's switch gears over to our icebreaker question, which I'm actually really curious to see where you go with this one. Cause you were, you were noodling on your answer to this. So everybody who's watching, you can play along. I, I have the advantage that I know the questions before we come in most of the time. So I had my answer prepped, but I want to see where you go with this one and everybody else. I'm curious where you are, but what was the first thing you remember buying with your own money? So let's take a trip down memory lane and see where you landed in terms of what'd you buy with your money, own money? The first thing. So, um, I actually bought, um, a super Nintendo game with my allowance okay. and it was Mario Kart. Uh, <laughs> Mario Kart. So this was uh, 1992 or three or something. Okay. And uh, I was in fourth grade, I believe. Um, so yeah, I saved up and bought Mario Kart for Super Nintendo. That was, uh, that was it. I have a, a younger brother and uh, we still play Mario Kart to this day. So not, not that version, but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, what's funny is I Super Mario Kart on Super Nintendo was a fantastic game, especially for the time. It was like one of the first multiplayer experiences. So that was a good was. choice. That was a good choice. That brings back. So, okay. If you still play Mario Kart though, cause I still play Mario Kart with my kids. I love Mario Kart. Do, do you play the new one? Do you have like the AR, the AR version one where people are zooming around or is it just still, you know, you go in retro with it? Uh, we, we're actually, we play the, the, the switch version. Uh, I haven't actually had, I actually played the, the VR version, but it, it, it seems like a lot of fun. Like I, I know I would have had a lot of fun with that <laughs> if I had it when I was a kid. I know. I know. My kids keep asking about it and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that we need more things zooming around the house. If you can, you mm -hmm. can use it on your device. Okay. So you got Mario Kart eight. All right. I got it. Okay. Um, so for mine, mine goes back. I, man, no, now you're making me think about Nintendo games. They were so expensive back then. They were, they were. so expensive. Um, so mine was, I was in sixth grade, I think. 
And I wanted, I moved to this tiny town in rural Minnesota and everybody played hockey. And I did not have a hockey stick. I had skates, but I didn't have a hockey stick. And I remember that the local, it was a tiny town, the local like store had hockey sticks and it took me forever to save up for this. But I, I remember distinctly going in and purchasing the hockey stick. They even put it on layaway for me so that I could pay it off. But that was the first thing. Not nearly as exciting as Mario Kart, but um, I do distinctly remember it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's nice. let's shift gears. Let's shift gears over to this because we're going to be talking about, I like I said, I have a hard time figuring out what category to put sunlight in. I, I still am kind of struggling with that because it's not really a marketplace, but it kind of is S sort of not really. I don't, and that's why I don't want to call it a marketplace. So anyway, but before we do that, tell me a little bit about what you, what got you to the point of founding this and now leading this. Like, was that something that you always knew you wanted to do? Did it grow out of a pain point? What was that journey for you? So um, a little bit about my background. I'm originally from Venezuela, and uh, you know I've been very, very passionate about education in general. Like uh, I think uh, you know, kind of third world country. Um, I, I was fortunate to you know be brought in private school, and I was privileged in that sense. But but education really made a, a significant impact in my life, and it was a a big difference between uh, you know being able to succeed in life versus versus not being able to. So. Um, since since very young, I've been very interested in, in education and um, actually started my first company uh, in the education space. Uh, it was called Academia, still is called Academia, and uh, we work with school management platforms, so K-12, not really um, corporate. And the whole idea was if we can get parents to know about what their kids are up to in real time, they get more involved, more involved, better grades, better grades, better education. You know, that, was, that was the premise. And uh, ran that company for about four or five years. That took me to then consulting in the education space, worked uh, with a bunch of, of different educational providers and LMSs. And, and uh, that's what got me thinking, myself and, and my co-founder, which is, is actually my brother, uh, who's also very passionate about it. And, um, and the original- Mario Kart. Oh yeah, he's actually my <laughs> always player number two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Still, again, to this day, we, we do have tournaments. We should have actually, you know, fun, fun story. This um, like multi-year tournaments where you actually accumulated points, right? So we saw each other maybe you know once a week or every ten days. We played. We had points. We had like this huge list. It was amazing. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, just just okay. yeah. So he so he's joining you on this journey. He joined he, you on he, this journey again. Absolutely, and and it was it was originally his idea. The, the original concept came. Um, yeah, like crypto was going crazy at the time. It was like 2015, and the the thought about decentralization. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be amazing if we had some form of learning currency? Like that was the original um, spark. Like, what if we could very transparently invest into anybody's personal or professional development? Like, what if you could get, uh, you know, say I'm going to have, you know, ten thousand, a million, ten million dollars. You could say I'm going to invest these ten million dollars specifically in 18 to 25 year olds in rural Indiana, right? And that could only be spent on their personal uh, development or their professional development. You could track their progress. You could actually see their impact. Right? And that was the original idea behind Sunlight. And we quickly realized that, A, the world really wasn't ready for a cryptocurrency for education and like the, the things that, that needed to happen for that to, to, to actually take place and materialize were, were still uh, probably a decade away. But we said, well, there's something about this idea that I think we can start testing it out. And it's, well, you know, who has a budget issue today? Who has a budget issue that needs to invest in people? And uh, the, the, the answer was, was companies, right? It was, it was, it was yep. both small, medium, large companies. Everyone needs to invest in their employees. And even more so as time, uh, you know, move forward. Because the amount of time that you needed to retrain, the amount of time that skills were uh, actually useful was was shorter, right? Like, you know, th there's new tooling coming around, there's better practices, there's there's all these things. You need to be constantly tra be training yourself and yeah. be improving. So we said, okay, corporates have this huge budget and, you know, let's see what they're doing with it. Let's, let's have an, uh, and we actually started exploring and understanding like, you know, what's going on here, right? Because there's obviously a lot of uh, information out there about how much companies are spending in learning and, and how are they spending it and they're like, well, all right, so what's going on here? And 
we quickly realized that, well, this was mostly going towards these things called LMSs, which were just found out that they existed at the time. And said, so, well, you know, what do these things do? And so, well, it, you know, most of them were a you know, very highly fragmented space. There's no Facebook of LMSs, right? There's like 60 of them. And they do more, more or less the same thing. And I know a lot of LMS people are going to be uh, potentially pissed that I just said that. But uh, it's, it was at that time, especially a repository of content. You push it down into the org. And, and when you saw what, what, what it was actually used for, it was compliance, right? Like yes. people were not passionate, right? Like, uh, it, it, its majority was about being compliant. It was, you know, I need to do something to be compliant in my job, where it's in insurance or it's in health or, you know, it's, uh, you know, sexual harassment, whatever it is. But there was... There's no one that we ever talked with that, you know, said, I just woke up 9 a.m. and I was super excited to learn about this new thing. And the first thing I did was jumped on my LMS. Right? LMS. Like that never happens, right? So I was like, okay, these people are spending all this, this money here and it's, it's, it's being funneled into this LMS, but it's really not scratching the itch that we want to scratch. And then you have uh, L&D teams and departments maybe trying to uh, understand the needs of these different departments in the organization, trying to hook up workshops and, and get providers like, well, you know, it seems like a lot of work. Um, and, uh, it, you know, we, we had this background in learning and, and we knew that the most important thing about, about learning anything was, uh, was just curiosity. Right? You have to be curious. Yes. You have to, you have to want to learn something either because uh, you were challenged at your job, because you read something that you didn't understand, you wanted to get better practices, like something was happening that you were curious. Some sort of trigger. There it has to be a trigger. It has to be that itch that you need. You want to be better at something. You want to understand it better. You want to, uh, you know, improve on, on yourself. And, and, and maybe it's, you know, you want to get a promotion, whatever it is. But there is this curiosity and motivation behind it. And we're like, well, one that itch comes, what do people naturally do? What, what, what's like the first thing that they do? Like, and uh, well, the first thing they do is they just go on Google. Like that's, yep. that's what they do, right? They'll go on Google and they say, well, you know, this is the problem that I have. And maybe some, check out some videos on YouTube. That video might lead you to a book. A book might lead you to a workshop. A uh, workshop might lead you to an online course. Like they, they follow all kinds of different paths to go scratch that itch. Hole. Exactly, they go down this rabbit hole of, you know, and, and they're constantly asking, well, uh, you know, is this maybe the best use of my time? Who can I ask? All of these amazing platforms have reviews, but other reviews actually something that you can uh, trust, right? Because uh, you don't know, some, some you can, some you can't. Um, and we said, well, you know, you're having these L&D teams that are trying to understand what the best courses and content is for these specific use cases and employees. And the reality is you are flying 10,000 feet above the air, right? Where the person that actually has the problem really understands exactly what they need. Not only that, but they know themselves. So that means that they know that they have an hour commute, which means that they like to listen to audiobooks. In, they know what's going to fit into their life. Exactly. Exactly right. They know exactly what's going to fit. So it's like, well, what if this same concept that we had of an educational currency, we, we applied it into, into companies, right? They already have a budget. They need their employees to learn. What happens if we give the employees control over this budget and we enable them to actually choose what what they want to learn about, right? Like, let's let's try it out. And uh, we were fortunate enough to find a company that uh, wanted to try it out exactly like that in 2016. And um, company was called Lost My Name. It was about a 70 employee company in London. Okay. Today it's called uh, Wonderbly. Uh, amazing company. They do personalized children books. Um, so uh, yeah. <laughs> not advertising that, but, but <laughs> exactly, yeah, but, but great, great company. And, uh, and, and we saw the, how engagement just went through the roof, right? Because now people were in control of, of, of this spending and they were actually starting to choose the books, the online courses, the, the workshops, the coaching, like whatever fit them and whatever they wanted to do. Um, so we said, okay, this is definitely something that we want to uh, go go deeper into this rabbit hole, and that was 2016, and we've been doing it uh, since uh, you know past five years. Okay, got it. So when you do, when you talk to people about it, because this concept, like I said, even in the beginning, I'm like, in terms of how I would categorize it, if you were to say, what is this? It's it can be a little bit difficult to put in a nice, clean marketing category of well, this is. 
this is a this. How do you describe it to people? Because again, without the story, without the explanation, I can say as a learning leader, I, I recognize the pain point where this is coming from. And, I, and I'm very familiar with it. In fact, it's something I've seen organizations try to tackle multiple times. But if somebody asks you, well, so what is sunlight? How do you describe it to people who may not be as familiar with the space? Sure. And uh, it, it's, it's definitely something that we've struggled with as well. Like, you know, what is yeah. this one liner? What, what is the specific category? And, and it seems that we're, <laughs> what is the tagline, right? So uh, we, we, we've had a few through the years and uh, uh, the, 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 the latest one is like, well, we're learning as a benefit, right? And, and the reason learning as a benefit ha has fit is because um, it is actually something that companies are also using to attract talent. So it's, it's starting to become part of the overall package that you that that is being offered to employees right so it's like your wellness package this is your learning package this is your, your benefit like overall um and and it's it's a great way for companies to to actually kind of put their money where their mouth is it's like you know we we believe in your in our employees we want to invest into their employees and this is actually a very transparent way like it's it's not that we're going to do workshops not that you're going to get access to uh you know uh, this limited list of providers but there is actually a dollar amount that is assigned to you that you own that you can actually determine exactly what it is that you want to do and where you want to invest it. Um, equally, it's it's not part of your overall um, compensation, so it's it's tax deductible, which means it's a it's a great benefit to have. So the the wine liner is it's we provide learning as a benefit. I, I like that versus like learning as a service or think because it really and I think one of the things that sometimes when I've had these conversations before um, that that can ruffle some feathers is that it can create a little bit of a polarizing effect where people feel like, well, but there's more that needs to be done from a learning and development standpoint within an organization. And my answer to that is you're absolutely right. Like this isn't a. This isn't just a, well, you just dump all of your learning onto this type of thing and then just hope that it works itself out. No, it's not that at all. But there is this, I have a visual for it, the trifecta of how we should be operating. And one of it is this, this employee well-being and, and benefit of how are you actually just making them know that their development is something the company cares about and is empowering you to do. And it's an important factor in your strategy that people need to consider. But a lot of times it is not as easily said, not as easily done as said. I think that's one of the things that I was fascinated when we first met and started talking about this was the fact that a lot of times companies have tried to tackle this and they end up buying, you know, massive packages or subscriptions to big things to try and do yep. this, cast the widest net and say, well, if we buy this one subscription and give it to everybody, hopefully that will work. And to your point, everybody knows what fits for them. So now you're trying to do this one size fits all approach where what you're saying is you were going to spend the money anyway, but rather than you trying to invest in something and get it right for everybody, yeah. Make that same investment. Let us figure out the other side of it so that people can spend their dollars on the things that matter most to them for their own growth and development. Yeah, yeah, 100%, Chris. And and um, I, I think the, you know, people want to do this kind of, uh, you know, what, what's the silver bullet, right? What, you know, what this thing that, that does everything, right. right? But the problem with things that do everything is that they don't do everything really, really well, right? Correct. You know, so we are highly specialized in this very one thing. Uh, and and uh, and then we, we play nicely with your LMS or with whatever provider that you have for other things that you might be doing internally. And, and, and to your point, our experience has been exactly that. Many of these large companies, what they do is, I'm gonna go to this, uh, I won't name names, but a uh, large, uh, massive online course provider, I'm gonna buy 500 licenses. And then what ends up happening is, well, they maybe use 250 of those licenses, which, you know, great. But then you just lost half of the budget that you spend on the other 250. And then when you look at usage, it was used those 250 for maybe one course and maybe 20 people use it for two courses. So what would have happened if those people had ownership of that budget, right? Where could that have been used? And not only where could that have been used, but what would you have learned about these employees that you don't know today because they had ownership? And, and that's actually one of our key learnings and values from, from Sunlight. It's not only the fact that 
yes, it, you have ownership and people get suspended, but it's all these things that are completely hidden about employees, their passions, what they want to do, that you will never reveal until it is for them to actually choose what it is that they want to do, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, we have this, this amazing case. Uh, it, it was uh, one of those aha moments for us, uh, specifically with this first company called, called Lost My Name. Um, they had a, a, a very senior backend developer and um, this was like typical backend introverted character, you know, maybe said one sentence in the meeting, but that the sentence was exactly what needed to be said. Like, uh, you know, just, just, just very on point, but, but a little bit intimidating if you know the character, right? Like not, not very approachable. And when, when given ownership of, of his, his budget, he actually started taking drawing courses, like actual like illustrations and drawings and, and people that did not, like that was kind of out of character. Like they was a bit, you know, that, that yeah. wasn't something that they were was expect were expecting. And it turned out he was very interested in product, right? So he wanted to transition to a product role. So the fact that, that he chose that opened up a conversation with the head of people and and the the which led to a conversation with the head of product. And he ended up uh, in the product team and being a perfect bridge between product and engineering. Um, but it was something that started because exactly, exactly. Never would have well, and you know, what's interesting about this point is it gets to one of the challenges. I think sometimes people face in making this shift because historically, and I think a lot of organizations still struggle with this. There's this perception of, well, you should want to develop on what we want you to develop on. That's, that's kind of the drive is like, well, we want you to develop on the things we think are important and not seeing the value that you just highlighted, which is in the same vein, we sit and have conversations, how we're struggling to understand what people are really interested in, what their skills are, where do they want to go from a growth and development? So we don't lose them to other companies or things like that. And it's like, well, in order to get that, we need to actually understand what's important to them and what are the things that they're really interested in. And we can't do that if we're constantly trying to throttle or bottleneck things and say, well, we want you to develop as long as it's on the things we say are important for you to develop in. And I think those insights that you just talked about, you're not going to get them if the only opportunities people have to develop are the ones that you tell them that they can have access to. Yeah, but that's, a, uh, okay. that's a mindset shift. I have to imagine when you have these conversations with people, the questions have to come up of, well, what if they don't do things? What if they end up spending the money on things that aren't directly related to their job? Or what if they end up doing things that we don't necessarily think are valuable? Yeah, no, and, and, and these are questions we definitely get get all the time. Um, so it's, it, it's interesting because, you know, from a, there's there's kind of these different scenarios of you know what happens if we give them the ownership and uh, a they they uh, they don't do exactly what what you expected them to do right well did you learn something about these people that you didn't know before right is it maybe that the you know it, that's not the right role for them is it actually that they're not as uh, interested in the current role and maybe can be better used elsewhere right. Yes. Um, but, but, but equally, uh, if say that they, you don't give them that opportunity and then they're not being stimulated anyway, right? Because th th there's also a mindset of, at, at least within sunlight and within most of the companies that we work with, if not all that everything that you are investing into another human being will actually be repaid and with dividends, right? Because any role in any organization is not just about, you know, can I write better code? Can I write better product? Can I do my accounting in a more efficient way? Can I, you know, do, do I know my legal, whatever it is, if you're a lawyer, like, yes, these are hard skills, but becoming a, 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 a healthier person, a happier person, uh, a, a more engaged person, a more curious person, like that is something that will benefit the company anyway. Right. Anyway. Uh, so and, and and but but it is true that this has to be a common belief with within the companies that we work with. Otherwise, it, 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 it then it just very, it becomes a complicated relationship of uh, 
again, having control where you do have accountability, which is different than control. And that's, that's also one of the key values of, of Sunlight, right? You're going to have oversight of what people are doing. You're going to be able to start conversations and ask them about, hey, that's interesting, Christopher. Like, I didn't know that was something uh, related to your job or something that you want to do. But uh, ideally, that should be promoted for you to explore these things. Because again, this will promote more engaged employees, better employees, happier employees, um, and, and, and ultimately uh, better professionals uh, for, for the entire organization. Okay. Well, and, and I, uh, I am 100% behind what you're saying here. And again, this has been a challenge that I've faced probably my whole career in this is that that can sometimes be a difficult message to explain. I would say probably in more recent years, that conversation has gotten easier as organizations are starting to see the data behind, hey, happy, engaged, healthy employees perform better. It seems like a common sense conclusion to come to, but it common sense isn't always common. And I think for a while, it hasn't really been seen that way. It was more, well, we're the employer. You're here to do what we need you to do. You want to do that? You do it on your own time with your own money. That's not really our problem. And I would say there is a more recent trend in seeing companies going, well, I don't think that's really the best way to approach that because yeah. if we do this well, we're actually getting more out of the employee in in all these ways. But but there is that shift that you have to make. No, there, there, go for it. Def, definitely there needs to be this shift. And uh, I think a very common question we have is, well, what's what's the ROI? Like what what is the return of investment that we are we're getting out of this, right? And this is something that we've 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 documented ourselves extensively. We've looked at research that you know how do we we get to this magic number? Because if we were able to give you this magic number, it'd be you know kind of super no brainer for both the people that even believe, but you know they, these sometimes have uh, higher ups and other stakeholders that they need to. They're uh, accountable to. They're, they're accountable, accountable to spending these dollars. I'm that getting for it. Exactly. Exactly right. And. The, the, the truth of the matter is, um, I think with, with any investment in, in overall learning and, and professional development in general, um, depending on the industry, it's going to vary vastly, right? And, and uh, you know, if, if we imagine two types of, of companies, uh, whereas um, one can be kind of a construction company, right? So very kind of towards manual labor oriented organization. And you invest into uh, training, and you invest into uh, kind of you know better practices and selves of, of safety in the workplace. And you, after a year or two, you determine that the number of accidents in the workplace has been reduced. You can probably tie these two together relatively easily, right? Yep. Yep. Now, if you go all the way to the other end of the spectrum, where it's pure knowledge worker, right? And this guy is working at a company like Pixar, right? And they're in charge of, uh, you know, story flows or whatever. How do you tie the books that that person's read and his overall life experiences to just building a better story for Pixar or, you know, a better dialogue or, you know, it's, it's really hard to be able to tie ROI in, in these sorts of scenarios because there's so many things that, that actually contribute to it that to, to isolate it to just this one thing, again, the story of the silver bullet is, is it's just unrealistic. It's difficult. Yeah, uh, it's, I, it is difficult. I think the thing that does make it easier, and this is where as learning leaders, it's important for us to get outside of the learning box because to your point, it's a challenge that I've, I've seen, you know, organizations struggle with over time. And again, if you're doing an upskilling thing, even with a knowledge worker, it's, it's easier to quantify because you can say, well, this is what they were doing before. This is the behavior we're seeing now. And that's what we're trying to do. So it justified the expense. This employee well-being and health type stuff is a little bit harder, but I do think there's two ways that I've approached it that have been really successful. So people who might be like, well, how do we justify this expense? There are metrics that organizations are tracking like retention, like employee satisfaction, yep. like employee well-being. And those are only growing with the, with the previous years and recognizing that, hey, this actually has value to our bottom line. We can actually even tie this to earnings per share, things like that. So I think that conversation is getting a little bit easier, but you have to step outside of 
the learning world because if you're yep. just saying well completions and and all of this and they liked it well you're you're not necessarily going to have the data that you need but if you can tap into this broader space you can but i think the other yep. thing that has been really helpful is if you flip the script a bit and say well how much are we spending now that we have no visibility into Suddenly, yep. now that number adds up pretty quick because you can say, well, we're spending on average this much per employee or we've invested this much. Well, what are we getting out of that? Uh, yeah. There are probably a lot of them where that would be met with a blank stare, not to mention the fact that there's a lot of inconsistency because I think of the way a lot of organizations would handle what we're talking about today is, well, they would say, well, let's leave that to the managers. The people can go out and they can put that on their personal P card and they can expense it. That's historically yep. how this has been delegated. The problem with yep. that is though, there's no consistency. You have no idea if managers are actually doing that, if people are engaging with that, things like that. And now you really have no visibility at all into what is the spend. We have no yep. idea because now man, some managers might be going way over what our budget is. Other managers might not be doing anything. And what this allows you to do is have a consistent way to say, hey, don't do this at your manager level. Do this through this channel so we have visibility, we have the data, we can control spend while yep. still empowering them to say, do what's best for you. Yeah, and, and also it, it does keep managers engaged. Like you are uh, involving the managers in the process. And I think that's actually a great point because uh, we actually have this case of a, a company out of Australia um, and they, they spent, I think it was something like $6 million last year. Uh, this is a, a large insurance company. And the, they didn't know exactly where that has had been spent other than it was expense. And it, in their SAP, it was tagged as learning but there was absolutely no additional. So should they have spent maybe twice as much and get better results? Should they have spent half as much? But they, they, they just don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, th yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a great point. That that data and and this is where, and I've done this for a couple of different organizations where that's where we got the start on this conversation was we actually worked with procurement to say, can we run the numbers? Can we see if we pulled out of our, of our database, how much was spent? Because a lot of times we're only looking at our L and D budget and we go, Correct. well, we don't, we don't spend that much. And if we were doing this, it's like, well, but you're not looking at the whole picture because if you go Correct. to procurement and say, can you pull all approved expenses for anything related to professional development or learning? And then you look at that number, your eyes might just pop exactly. out of your, you might be like, wait, whole way of doing what? but we have no insight into it, none whatsoever. Correct. And I think sometimes that's just taken as, well, that's the cost of doing business. But what you're talking about is it doesn't have to be that way. There's a better way to do it and be more efficient without losing the effectiveness. In fact, I think you can get greater effectiveness out of this because of what you can do with it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, uh, and there's these, uh, uh, additional benefits of, uh, of, of having that transparency not only for yourselves in terms of understanding what's going on, but equally towards colleagues. Like one of our key insights, um, you know, having run sunlight over the years is we've identified that about 15% of employees in each, each organization are natural learners. So regardless of sunlight, a budget, anything, like it's completely relevant. These guys have this growth mindset and will always be engaging in some form of learning content in a very active way. Right, so this is, they'll be reading a book, they'll be engaged in some form of online course, they'll be attending a workshop at least once a, a month. So th this, this is just how they're wired. Now, the question that we all ask ourselves is, well, how do we get everyone to be as engaged in learning and be as proactive and, and, and constantly like learning new stuff? Now, we've learned that if you actually expose the rest of the organization to that fact, to the fact that there's our people all around them that are constantly learning. We can actually make about 65% of the organization into these not fully natural learners, but almost. So instead of engaging once a month, they it will engage every two months, right? Because you can imagine these people that are reading these books, they just don't walk into the office and then just gloat like, oh, look how smart I am. This is the book that I'm reading, right? <laughs> Hopefully like, they don't. <laughs> look at me. 
I'm sure they don't have many friends if they do, right? Um, so, so, but if you just create this, you know, through the platform, people are naturally engaging in things and like any Facebook feed or Instagram, like you're already accustomed to saying, oh, so Christopher is learning about this and, uh, you know, Jackie is learning about why. So, or, or reading this book and, and some of these things you might be interested in, others might, you might not be, but others might just be interesting conversation if, um, you know, you're, you're, you're in the, in, in the office, you, you have some coffee. It's like, oh, I, I, I saw that you were attending this conference. How did it go? So just that visibility of people engaging that you know for a fact, like for example, yourself, Chris, you, you, you're a father of five, if, if uh, almost six now, what I understand. So if I know that you are reading a book and that the ne next month you're reading another book and you're a father of five and I'm not doing anything about my professional development, I'm like, how is this guy? has five kids, right? There's all these things. It still manages to invest time into himself and to becoming a better professional. Like, what is my excuse, right? Like I'm, I'm partying every weekend or something. Like, you know, it, you start questioning these things. And at the end of the day, I think every person, uh, unless you're a psychopath, wants to be better. Right? Like, like <laughs> it's- a Right. That's, that's the category of that. We just, you know, we're never going to move them over to this, this side of the fence. We'll just kind of, not, but well, not our market point. Well, and this gets back to some of these terms that get thrown around in the industry a lot of, you know, we want to build a learning culture. It gets thrown around a lot, but a lot of times I don't think people really know what to do with it actionably to say, well, how do we actually do that? And what you're talking about is an important piece where, you can grow that percentage of people who, because they're, like you said, there's always those people that you don't have to tell them, you don't have to encourage them, you don't have to go out and find things. They're just going to do it. They're just going to do it and they don't really care whether they, it, you see it, whether they're rewarded for it or not. It's just happening. But the goal is to grow that piece of the pie yep. from this this smaller percentage and, and if you can increase that. So I think what you're talking about is a good way to do that in a positive way versus punitive versus where we're going to punish you if you're not in this category or we're going to punish you if you're not developing well no that doesn't that'll get you yeah. compliance that'll get you compliance and compliance is not what you want you don't want people just doing it because well if i don't i'm not going to get a five on my my performance review or i'm my bonus is going to be lower well that's not then you're just going to find people who skip steps Absolutely. And, and I think it's going to give um, also the right tools for these managers to have uh, good conversations with their direct reports. Like you can imagine a manager that has this visibility and understands that uh, potentially, you know, yourself, Chris, you haven't done anything for your professional development in the past three months. Like, why is this? Like there is this budget, right? You can use it for your whatever it is that you want to use it, right? Ideally something work related and you haven't, right? Isn't that curious? Like, why aren't you curious about anything at all that you don't want to be better at? It's, it's like there. So it, it might start a conversation around, maybe there's some home issues, maybe you're not engaged at work, maybe you actually are applying for a new job. Like there's so many things that that can tell, or you completely forgot that that budget was there. Oh, which I just forgot about it. Right, like, I, you know, I've been putting that on my personal card. I didn't even think about it type of a thing. Uh, Exactly. But but it at least gives you that point of conversation um, to, to that, that you, as you will mention, it's not punitive. It's, hey, you know, we want you to be a better person. We want you to be a better professional. Um, you know, what, what's going on? You know, this, anything I can help with is, you know, is, is it a motivational issue? Is it something that you don't know in which direction to go? Because I personally find it at the very minimum interesting if any of our employees doesn't want to be better in, you know, a three or a six months period. It's like, there's something weird here. Right. Or yeah. because also that's not the type of employee that we want to have in our organization. Like there's a, there's just a culture mismatch there. If you're not that kind of individual that wants to uh, strive for, for improvement. Yeah. Well, and, and I think this is, there, there's a misperception sometimes that these two things are mutually exclusive. And what I mean by that is that, well, either we have to focus on the business and the benefits to the organization and the employer, or we have to focus on the benefits and the you know things to the employee. And to me, I would say those aren't mutually exclusive. In fact, 
you both benefit when you do this right. The idea of, well, investing in your employees, investing in things like this, all the things we've been talking about, this comes back and it, it benefits the organization. It's not, it's not just wasted money like sometimes it's perceived. And I would say, you know, somebody made a comment that in capitalist countries, a lot of times that is where that comes in where it's like, well, you know, that's not a good use of our money. It's like, well, actually it is because companies run on people and happy, engaged people perform exponentially better. better than people who are miserable and are just showing up to check a box. One of the things that was interesting that actually leads me to a, another little pathway is Deborah brought up the fact that in France, this is a requirement already. So in France, companies are required to allocate a certain amount of money to employees for their own development. And she talked about the fact that, you know, she, she shared that the ROI piece the happier workforce, all this stuff, they really have not seen any negatives in this. So to people who may be fighting against this going, I just don't think this can work. There are cases where you can see this is already happening. And I've actually known some companies it, you know, that are more progressive in their thinking around this that are doing this well. My question to you is this, and this may tie back to how Sunlight's helping with this, is that this can be challenging in the sense that sometimes people might not know what to do with this. So I've seen and been involved in organizations where they've gone on <laughs> a bit of a bender with this and they've just said, all right, we're just going to tell everybody that you can spend up to this amount on whatever you want to do. And it actually leads to people almost having a bit of analysis paralysis because they feel like, uh, what do I pick? What's even out there? How do I find something? And now they almost don't know what to do because it feels too overwhelming. They've just been handed a blank canvas. Some people are fine. That 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 30% or 20% that just goes, yep, I already know. Great. Now the company's paying for it. I'm fine with it. They're fine. It's the rest of the population that goes, uh, do I buy a book? What book do I buy? Do I take a course? Do I, do I sign up for a, a, a community? Like, well, I'm not really sure where to go with this. How have you seen organizations tackle that one? And I think it's some of what you're doing with Sunlight to help not restrict what people can do, but give some sort of guidance so that they don't sure. feel like I just don't even know where to start. Sure. Um, I guess we, we take kind of like, um, like a Spotify approach, right? And uh, if, if you look actually our, at our user interface, it's, it's it, it, it really is, we took a lot of inspiration from Spotify, let's just say that. And um, the, the reason for that is it's, we, we see it kind of like what happens with music and music genres, right? Like there's, there's a way to organize content. There's people that you uh, potentially trust more in terms of what is good and what is not. So ideally, you know, you could jump into Christopher's playlist on, uh, learning and have a few podcasts or videos or uh, books that you might recommend. But maybe there's another expert on, um, I don't know, marine biology. And, uh, you know, th that's that's the guy that, that uh, you know, posts all the interesting things on dolphins that you're interested in. And, you know, it's, it's already been curated, right? Because I think in every industry, there's there's people like yourself that are, are thought leaders, right? And that people look up to. And we've 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 managed to uh, gather uh, of uh, quite a few of these to kind of curate these initial playlists. But the ultimate goal for us is to actually have leaders within the organization also start to build things, right? So how about we take those fifteen percent of people that you know they're already learning stuff, they're already picking things up, but uh, you know building these playlists that you can check out and and just have a browsing experience that might lead you to choose. Uh, that that first piece of item or that second piece of item that that a piece of content that you're looking for. Um, ultimately, definitely the the what is it called the uh, paradox of choice? Is it the yes? <laughs> yes. Choice so there's so many things to choose. I don't know what to choose. I just um, don't know what to do, so I don't choose anything. I don't choose anything, right? So it's uh, you know kind of like Netflix. You're just there actually clicking through for 
you know, 15, 20 minutes, you actually haven't started to see anything. And then you're you turn watching... the TV off because you're like, <laughs> I just am not even sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, we, we, we help by uh, using these thought leaders uh, to, to be curators, both external world thought leaders, uh, but, but equal internal thought leaders. And, and kind of our roadmap is to be able to actually start integrating thought leaders with with different organizations. So we're starting to ask actually our clients, like we have amazing clients, we have a very uh, high level individuals like, hey, can we actually have your playlist and, and publish it uh, so that all of our users can actually now have access to it. From other customers. Can, and say, exactly. Hey, these other thought leaders from these other companies are doing this, which gets to another piece of helping companies think outside their own silo of what are we doing? Exactly right, because at the end of the day, all of the, the resources that are on Sunlight are publicly available. So uh, they all have some form of URL. You can access them. Uh, maybe it's a workshop. So, you know, there's a link to the workshop or it's an event or it's a book or it's an, you know, whatever it is, it's publicly accessible. This is not internal company knowledge that, that is being exposed to Sunlight. So it's just a matter of how do we um, uh, enable these uh, really amazing individuals uh, to create these players and then ideally get sign up from these amazing individuals to then say, hey, yeah, uh, I am the CTO of this amazing company. Why not just publish my list there? And, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a little bit of ego there and uh, and, uh, and clout that, that you earn. Um, why not? Okay. Okay. So, so two follow-up questions that I have as I think about this. One is just very tactical. And then the next one um, came from Sarika. So I'll bring that one up in a minute here. But when it comes to process, just so that people who may be watching or listening or thinking about this in terms of how does this work? Because, you know, let's say, let's say, let's just talk workflow standpoint. So you've got this curated list of things that people can choose from. And again, there's a fair amount of tailoring that's going on already. But what happens when somebody says, hey, here's something that I think is really interesting that maybe isn't here. This is a piece of development I'd like to do that isn't in any of the playlists now. How does that work going back to this so that they don't just end up using their corporate card and then expensing it and now it's gone off in the ether? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. I mean, from a from a tactical perspective, it's it's quite simple. Um, you can request anything as long as you can share a URL. So if you can't already find it on Sunlight, you can say, I want to uh, you know access this thing or purchase this thing and share a URL. And what we're able to do is go and crawl that site, bring as much information as we can from it. Um, and, and then you'll just go through the purchase process. You'll get a, a digital prepaid MasterCard, which you can use to purchase. So you don't have to pay for it yourself. You don't have to expense it later. Uh, like it's, it's, it's fully accessible. And that, that's also something interesting. Um, it's kind of from the tactical point of view, some companies approach this and say, hey, Juan, we have a budget in place, right? We're giving people $1,000 a, a year. and they're not using it, right? And um, you know, so we we've tried your method, and it actually doesn't work, right? It's uh, so we we try to double click, right? We say, okay, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, how how are you actually giving these employees ownership, and how are you giving this budget? And they say, well, you know, at the very first day that they onboard, they're told in the employee manual that there's a thousand dollars, and um, and then. You know, as soon as they send an email to their manager and they forward the approval over to finance, um, all they have to do is pay for it, uh, put the invoice back to finance, and within 45 to 60 days, they'll get reimbursed. So it's super simple. <laughs> super and, simple. Super simple. <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. I mean, amazing that you have that budget in place. But what we've learned is you will never jump through those hoops unless it's a significant amount. So these are people that are earning $50,000, $80,000 a year that you're asking them to do that for a $20 book. They'll never do that. Like, do it. They're not ever, going to do it. Nope. Ever. So the, 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 and, and then it's, it's kind of, well, what happens then? Either A, they buy themselves, which, okay, great. They're at least investing into themselves. But as an organization, you have no visibility about what they're no interested in, right? All. So the second thing is they're cheap, actually, and they don't want buy it. So, you know, one of your employees just decided not to buy something that will improve themselves because um, they didn't want to use their, their own money. And you have a budget in place to do this, but it's just the process that has too much friction. So what we try to do is remove all that friction to say, 
Just share the link. Here's the credit card. Make the purchase, and you're done. Um, and I think you had a second question, Chris. No, I can't I, well, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> ask it yet because I wanted to talk okay. through this because that was one of the things when I got to know what you were doing that really what to me was a huge thing because like you said i've been in those conversations where people go this just doesn't work people don't do it and when you actually look at the process you go well i wouldn't do it i'm not going to yeah. go through that headache and nightmare to try and get reimbursed for something yeah. you know and what if it's a subscription model you seriously yeah. think every month i'm going to try and do this and i'm going to like no, I'm not. There, there's actually a, a number. Like we, we've done surveys and stuff, and we so the number is about two hundred and fifty dollars. So anything below two hundred and fifty dollars, people will not go through it. So if it's like a conference, like five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred, a thousand, then they'll do they'll, it. Fine. Then they'll do it's it. A decent chunk of money. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I think that's you know what we're talking about is it's about removing the friction of this, which gets to the question that I said I was going to get to which, you know, from Sarika is around the, the scale and complexity for a large organization. So, you know, I'm sure for maybe a small organization, it can seem pretty straightforward. Well, we have this budget, there's 50 people in our company, and we're just going to do this. And it makes sense. As you start to get into these bigger organizations, have you seen challenges with that scaling or because of, uh, to me personally, I can see some of the pre-work being important because there's a fair amount of messaging and things that you have to get into place. But the user experience, it's pretty slick. It's pretty slick. And the visibility that you get into these things, to your point of if somebody wants something and it's not there, they send a link and then they get a MasterCard that they can just pop into the thing to pay for it. And now you know what they spent the money on and what they're doing. And you have more detail than just a category in SAP that says learning. Like, well, I don't know what that $30 or $40 went to. I have no idea. Yeah, no, no, a hundred percent. Now, um, in, in terms of the, the scale, like I think like any organization, um, the larger it is actually, it, it becomes a bit more unique. Like you start having very custom solutions for for that that they build maybe in house, uh, maybe they're integrating to Workday, but not a standard integration. No, no, this is a special Workday integration. So you do <laughs> you do run into these complexities as any large organization, I think uh, you would imagine. But um, our experience so far is in order to to release something like this, I think the pre work is definitely key, like you mentioned. Um, it's, uh, you, you never, and, and this is not just something that I think as, as a general, uh, good practice, we'll, you will never do a full rollout of any platform into the entire organization in like one day, you'll, you'll pick a specific department or a piece, a, a, you know, a, a relevant piece of the business and say, okay, this is where we're going to start. And then we're going to do kind of the, the, the full rollout, right? Uh, like make sure all systems are, are, are green, everything's integrated into the right place. And then and then you you do like the the full rollout. But in terms of benefits, I would actually say that bigger organizations have the biggest benefit because of what you just mentioned. Uh, because of scale, you actually start getting um, the the benefit of uh, of big data, right? You have a, just a ton and, of data. Data and the spend. I mean, to me, I just look exactly. at it and go for big organizations. Exactly. You're talking seven eight figures that may be going out the door completely. Correct completely invisible. You have no idea what it's going to. You have no idea where it's going and that money's being spent for, Correct. you know, we talk about ROI and you go, I have no idea what that is. So I can, yeah. I can see to me, when I look at it from a complexity standpoint to, to what I said earlier, it's kind of that initial phase of how, how are we going to figure this out? Because this money is split across all these different budgets. There's some work to do in the organization to say, okay, if we're going to pull this out of managers, right? Where do we, how do we fund it? Because I guarantee a learning and development organization at first glance is going to go, we can't commit all our dollars to this. Like we're not going to be able to do any of our other things. So you're going to have to work with the business to figure out where that pool is yeah. coming from so that you can do it. But once you're through that, to me, the other one you hit on is the integration piece. This data is great, but how are you making sure that you're getting that back into your, your, you know, BI tools or, you know, things like that so that you can actually see it and integrate it into the other places. So it's telling the story you need it to tell. Cause it's a compelling story. Honestly, it's a compelling story. And I think organizations that may not quite be there yet, it's like, 
try it. I, I don't think I've ever worked with an organization that said, we're going to commit to letting people invest in themselves. I don't think I've ever seen them when they do it right, come back and go, that was a waste. That was a, <laughs> that was a colossal failure. People are leaving. They're miserable. They're not never. happy. And what a waste of my, I've never seen it in my entire career. Never, never. And, and there's also a lot of, um, uh, like well, the, the concerns that we sometimes get is, um, you know, what if we turn it on and everyone spends the entire budget on the first week? It's like, like that, <laughs> that's actually, that's, that's actually never, like, you know, finance is going to kill me. Like this is the budget for the year, right? Like how, how, and then honestly, it's, it's never happened. Um, uh, I, I'd, uh, I'd be quite impressive if it, if it ever did, but, uh, you know, people do understand that when you give them that ownership, it kind of becomes like a little bit of their salary, right? So they, they, they actually take care of it. It's like, there's this little thing that that's theirs and they're gonna, they're gonna make sure that they spend it well. Um, so, uh, and, and the other thing is, um, from an operational standpoint, you don't have to commit your entire budget day one. So all, all the budgets uh, that, that you define in Sunlight are virtual. So, you know, you can give everyone their budget, but maybe have actually just committed, you know, a, a very small fraction of that as actual funds that are kind of uh, held in the bank to make for these payments. And then as you're seeing people um, engage and actually use it, you can actually continue topping up so that the kind of the system so keeps on running. So it's not like we've got to do one mass lump sum payment. Exactly. Oh my gosh, what happens? Exactly. It's a, it's a great point for people who may be thinking about this more from a financial standpoint of how yep. do we manage this? Well, it's actually pretty easy to manage. You budget it's, it's that kind of thing. But to your point of what if everybody goes out and starts developing on day one, in my opinion, that's a good problem. Like if that ever does happen, That'd be amazing. as far as I'm concerned, that's a good problem to have. Organizations are crying out going, how do we create a culture of development? Yeah. How do we get people to be learning and doing these things? It's like, would you really be that upset if you open the floodgates yeah. and people went, I'm in. <laughs> But to your point, one of the things that I think is really unique about it is the fact that you hit on this briefly, which is you're empowering your learner. You're kind of giving them this gift of saying, hey, here's this money that's yours to spend how you see fit. I think there's always this fear that people will be reckless and, you know, they, exactly. they just go and it's like, that's it's the opposite. actually not, it's the opposite. People are very protective and this is, this is mine. This is something exactly. I want to invest, things like yeah. that. So I think that that mindset shift of, well, what if it goes yeah. wrong? Yeah. Well, what and, if it and goes people, right? And people understand that, it, you know, even though it's theirs, it, they're still accountable for it. It's still something that uh, the, the, their manager is going to have visibility on. So, you know, you, you also <laughs> don't want to be the, the, you know, the person that invests into something really, really weird. And uh, I, I remember this, um, <laughs> I can't remember what was the name of the book, but we, we were very early on and uh, one of our investors, uh, they, they were using Sunlight, right? And and they one of them bought a book and apparently it's like a very famous book, but the title of it was like, you know, what to do if you're on your deathbed or like it was it was like a very glum. <laughs> it was a very and morbid title. Very, but, and, and it was like, what's going on? I immediately called them like, hey, Alexis, are you okay? I just got, you know, I was looking at the data and the, you know, I just got this book and then now he's explained everything. It's a, it's apparently a very famous, like, uh, I don't know, I'll have to find the title, but it was a funny story of, of getting that insight that you would get from your direct reports of, you know, what, yes. what they're, what they're well, up to. And, and what you just said there, I think is another problem we're trying to tackle so often is how do we get managers to engage in conversation with their employees? Because we know how critical that is to the success of a team is yeah. people want to feel like their company's investing, their manager is invested. And a lot of times they just don't know. And this is an opportunity. Grant, is it a silver bullet? No. Is magically having this going to create all those conversations? No, but it does create a conversation point where, you know, that conversation could have gone very differently. You know, that sure. may have been, I, you know, I've been thinking about this or that may have really opened a dialogue that needed to happen that you would have had no visibility into Correct. Yep. had that data not been there. So, um, I told you we were, <laughs> I told you we were going to run out of time. I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm just getting warmed <laughs> up, but it's fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll have to schedule a follow-up or something like that, but this is absolutely fantastic Juan. I really appreciate Likewise. the time today. 
everybody watching, hopefully this has given you a, a completely different perspective a little bit on how to how you might be able to think differently about it, not replacing what you're doing, but augmenting something that's already happening in your organization, but is happening ineffectively and inefficiently that actually can drive some of the outcomes that that so many of us are trying to drive towards. So thank you for being here, Juan. Thanks everybody for watching. Uh, thank you, Christopher. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday and a great weekend. <laughs>